Hey, this is Shea Hillenbrand, former two-time MLB All-Star, and now Global Elite Performance Specialist. You are listening and watching us on the Relationship and Revenue Podcast with John Hewlin. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. This is your host, John Hewlin, and you are listening to the first of two episodes of my interview with Shea Hillenbrand, former two-time Major League Baseball All-Star. He is such a terrific guy. I can't wait for you guys to hear my interview with him because he shares some tremendous things, not just about his past and all the things that he went through, but what he's doing today. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. This is Relationships and Revenue, the show where real answers come from real discussions about what holds men back in their relationships at home and in business. A better bottom line at work means improving life at home. This show is all about helping you become a better entrepreneur and a better man. Welcome back, everyone, to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. This is your host, John Hewlin, as always, thrilled that you chose to take some of your hard-earned time and invest it in this show. And as you heard from that introduction, I have the one and only Shay Hillenbrand. Shay, how are you? I'm doing amazing. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me on. You bet. You bet. And I am doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. Now, folks, you heard that was Shay. Now, Shay is a former two-time All-Star Major League Baseball player. So I could just stop right there. That's just <laughs> enough to have him on. But there's so much more to Shay than just that. And by the way, let me be sure to mention the teams that he played for, because that's really important. He played for Boston Red Sox, played for the Arizona Diamondbacks, let's see, the Toronto Blue Jays, San Francisco Giants, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Got to make sure I get Very that good. name right, because it's Very changed good. so many times. <laughs> it's going to change And then <laughs> the LA Dodgers. Yes, sir. So did, did I miss any teams? No, that was perfect. And some people miss it and some people don't do the work or, or the research or the homework. And they're just like, I played for Arizona and, and Toronto and, and Toronto and, and Boston. So, <laughs> well, Shay, I know the listeners and viewers know this, but you see this right here. That's yes, my sir. research, my friend. There you go. I, I do that for every. Hopefully it's all true. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> now, in addition to that, uh, Shay also mentioned that he is a, is it global elite or elite global? I'll make sure I say that right. I help people around the globe, so however you want to say it. Okay. Well, he is definitely <laughs> an elite global performance specialist. He helps athletes and high performers achieve what they want in their lives. It's, oh, I can't wait to dig into that for sure. But I wouldn't be doing my job, Shay, if I didn't take us back in time to say, I want to know, how did you get your start? What made you fall in love with baseball? Uh, what made you decide to put the the really hard work in to become a pro ball player? And why did you stay in it as long as you did? That's a very good question. I've never been asked that question before. And I've done a plethora of podcasts. And, and I love when I get uh, questions outside the box like that because uh, it stimulates thought and it stimulates memory and it stimulates uh, different paths to be able to share. Because a lot of times when you go on podcasts, you tend to share the same thing over and over again. So I appreciate that. So um, I, I was that kid that was always outside. I was that kid that was always throwing the ball against the wall. I was hitting a ball off of the tee, uh, training my skill sets. Uh, I, had a, I had a vision in my mind and a, and a, and a dream in my heart of playing Major League Baseball. 
as long as I can remember. And that, that just relates to so many American boys. Like the American dream is to play Major League Baseball. It's the biggest sport or, or football or basketball. But uh, I was always outside. I'm 47 years old now. And I mean, that dream started when I was four or five or six. And I didn't listen to music. I didn't watch TV. I could not sit still. And I think that was my place to escape. Uh, it was my place of solitude to where I could go outside and I could just train and master those skill sets. Um, I didn't know what I was doing at the time, but that's exactly what I was doing. Because as we all know, skill sets have utility. And if you want to take yourself from where you are right now to where you want to go to achieve that dream, that vision, or or excel to levels that, that, you, that you want to get to that next level, you feel plateaued, you have to be able to master skill sets, regardless of whatever that is, because skill sets do have utility, but they don't, they don't require talent. They don't require ability. They require commitment. They require dedication. They require sweat and tears and blood. And, and when I was a little kid, I had actually yesterday, I had a, a former baseball player that he sent me a video of me having a game of my life in Dodger stadium. I was with the Red Sox and, and Vince Scully was calling my at bats. But the reason why I say that to you is when I watched this video that was in 2002, um, it brought tears to my eyes because I would sit at the top deck with my mom and my best friend uh, in Dodger Stadium growing up in Southern California. We'd show up in the third inning. We'd leave in the seventh inning for one reason. Not because we didn't like baseball. We got to beat traffic, L.A. traffic. <laughs> and we'd listen to Vince Scully on the radio. So Vince Scully like spoke into my dreams. He spoke into my vision ever since I was a little boy. And, and like I said, we sit at the top deck of the stadium and I have my chocolate and the malt in one hand and my nachos in my other hand. And I'd always say, I'm going to be down there someday. I'm going to be down there someday. I'd say it to myself. I wouldn't say it to anybody else because... My dream and my vision was mine. That was given to me. That wasn't given to my mom or my best friend. And a lot of times when we speak out our vision, our dream to other people that can't understand, they think you're crazy. And it, that, that's just how it operates. And that's how it works. And, and um, when I was out back as a kid, um, nonstop, I'd eat dinner real quick and I'd go outside and, and, and hit the ball off the batter's tee in high school. Um, I didn't have any tools. I didn't have any resources. You have to be resourceful, right? So, um, I made a, a batting net to hit the ball into out of PVC piping, which what you use for your sprinkler system. And I made very careful and I was very cautious of not to hit that with the baseball because it would shatter. And I didn't <laughs> want to bust my, my, my batter's net and my, but the net would be a bed sheet. And okay. I would make myself, I'd hit the ball into this bed sheet and it would be as loud as possible. Boom. Boom. And I was like, I'm going to make my presence known. Boom, dad, you got to see me. Boom, neighbors, you got to see me. And I'll just do it over and over and over and over again. Um, in fifth grade, I was that little boy in the back of the class. I couldn't sit still. Didn't really like school. And I would disrupt the class on a regular basis. We go into the classroom in fifth grade one day. And Mr. Murphy says, hey, guys, we're going to talk about what we want to do when we grow up. And I'd vigorously raise my hand in the back of the classroom, just like, pick me, pick me. The only time I really spoke out and wanted to be, you know, chosen uh, to answer the question, because whether it was reading, whether it was knowing history or whether it was a math, I was so scared and I was so introverted because I didn't know the answers and I was uh, so scared of being made fun of. So I'm back there in the back of the class, vigorous. all right, Shay, what do you want to do? And I say instantly, 
I'm going to play Major League Baseball and I'm going to own a zoo. And all my classmates laughed at me. And it's funny because looking back now, I was like, I'm going to do it. Uh, you guys could laugh. You guys could sit here, but I'm going to play Major League Baseball and I'm going to own a zoo. And you fast forward about six years. I'm sitting on my bed and my dad walks into my room. I'm 14 years old. And you got to understand to set the stage here. Um, it's between ninth grade and my sophomore year, 10th grade of school. And in Southern California, 1980s, like 1990s when, I, when it was, um, ninth grade was middle school, junior high. Mm-hmm. And 10th grade was high school. These are pivotal, pivotal years of your life. These are formative years of your life. You're going from uh, top of the dog into ninth grade at the high junior middle school, going to bottom of the table, bottom of the barrel. Uh, as a sophomore, uh, I just finished baseball camp uh, to set my stage, be ready to go make the baseball team. Um, that's where I found my solitude was with my friends and sports. And my dad walks into my room and he proceeds to tell me, he drops a bombshell on me. He says, son, we're moving out of state. I said, what? My, my heart instantly dropped. And when he left the room, the story I told myself was, I'm not lovable. I'm not good enough. And my dad doesn't love me. And as I reluctantly left all my childhood friends, that story that I told myself from that experience formed the perspective that ultimately breaks me from that story and that experience at 14 years old. So I would like your listeners or your viewers to go back as we walk through this journey of my life and my experiences. And when I share, maybe you could put yourself in that position to see, hey, was there a pivotal moment in my life? Was there a traumatic moment in my life uh, that I experienced? And, and was there a story that that I formed from that? Because we all form stories from experiences. And if we're not able to have somebody guide us through those experiences, those stories that, that allow us to, to create a different understanding and form a, per, a positive perspective that perspective has pretty much led most people to where they are right now from that story they tell themselves, whether they're stuck or whether they're just doing a nine to five, no, no disrespect against that or, or, or sitting there and they had a dream and they had a vision and uh, life's kicked them in the tail and the perspective they formed from that has put them in a position to conform to the status quo, be complacent, mediocre, and just say, you know what? I'm just going to ride off in the sunset and this is what life has, has to offer. So as, 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 I, as I moved from Southern California to the hot desert of Arizona, I became an overachiever through athletics just to do one thing, not to get to the top, not to make varsity baseball or soccer. Uh, it was to get affirmation and approval from my father right. and to prove that I, that I was worthy enough of their love. Because like I said to you, the story I told myself was I'm not lovable, I'm not good enough, and my dad doesn't love me. So I quickly become the number one soccer player in the state of Arizona in high school. I had opportunities to play in Europe. I had opportunities to play in universities. Uh, but like I told you, fifth grade. I'm playing major league baseball and I'm going to have a zoo. So I walk on at a local community college in Mesa, Arizona, where I'm from, uh, where I went to high school. And the only reason I made the team, this is the only opportunity I had after high school is to walk on walking on is trying out. I didn't, I wasn't on a team. And the only reason I made the team is because of my work ethic. I was the first guy there and the last guy to leave every single day. And I committed to it. I said, I don't know what you guys are doing, I'm going to play major league baseball. And after my sophomore season of junior college in college, I became the number one baseball player in the state of Arizona at the junior college level. And with that being said, everything, everything changes. Every, everything in my life just uh, goes accelerated very quickly. I get drafted by the Boston Red Sox 
And when I got drafted by the Boston Red Sox in the 10th round, here we are. My dream's becoming true. It's materializing. It's manifesting right in front of my eyes. So I proceed to tell everybody at 20 years old that I got drafted by the White Sox. Like, like how does that even make sense? And my friends are like, dude, dude, what are you talking about? You were drafted by the Red Sox. Don't you know the Red Sox, the history of baseball, like 1918, the last time they won the World Series? There's a nation. There's six states that comprise New England, and they follow the Red Sox. And the Yankees and Red Sox is the biggest. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Y'all you, 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 need to stop right now. I said, check it out, dude. I grew up a diehard Dodger fan. In the 1980s, West Coast baseball, show up in a third, leave in a seventh, listen to Vince Scully. Like, like, I don't know anything outside of Chavez Ravine, Dodger Stadium, other than with baseball. Like, and number two, this was the kicker. I don't care what socks it is. I'm going to the big leagues. So I get drafted and I go to my first spring training uh, as a professional baseball player in the minor leagues. And man. Uh, I'm hitting in the batting cage. I'm working. I put my head down and I work harder than I've ever worked. And the minor league director comes over, the person in charge. This is what I want to share with your audience is that uh, if you want to pursue a dream, if you want to get a jump start, if you want to, uh, you have that vision inside yourself, you're starting a new chapter in your life. There's there's three things I say, three really diff- simple things that, that that you should do is the first thing is, is you got to find someone who's been there and done it. So this minor league director comes over to me and says, son, uh, I need to talk to you. And I was like, oh my gosh, what did I do? I barely know what team I'm on. I, I, am I in trouble again? Because all I ever did was get in trouble. Uh, I got kicked off my junior high team. I got kicked off my high school team. I got kicked off my junior college team. And here I am playing professional baseball. I thought I was getting kicked off. So I go over to my minor league director and he says, son, I, I, I've been watching you. And, and I'm the one that actually uh, drafted you. And he says, you have all the making to become a major league baseball player and make millions and millions of dollars. I was so green at it. I said, tell me what to do. So the first thing is you got to find somebody who's who's been there and done that. The second thing is you, you need to have them lay out a plan for you so that somebody could be this podcast right here, that somebody could be uh, a sermon, that somebody could be a book, that somebody could be uh, uh, an influencer that you really look up to. You don't have to have them face-to-face. Luckily, I had blessed enough to have someone face-to-face, but but you have to have somebody who's been there and done it and, and fast-track. You lay out a plan for you. And the third thing is, is the most difficult part and which 99% of people don't do. You have to put the work in. You have to go do it. You have to allow yourself to fail. You have to allow yourself to jump outside your comfort zone. You have to allow yourself to go out there and do it over and over and over and over again because you have to create resilience through the process. So as I scale myself through the minor league system, I become player of the year at three of the five years I was in the minor leagues. Um, And I had walked on at a junior college. I was drafted because I created resilience. What is resilience? Resilience is coming from perseverance. Perseverance comes from putting the repetitions in. When we put the repetitions in, everybody does that. But when we put the repetitions in, we come to a failure, a knockdown, a setback. What does 97% of people do? They give up. They allow that failure to, to conform, allow them to define who they are rather than refine who they are. And once you go through persistence, just get back up. The only thing I did other than uh, just keep at it, I just went. I just did it with all my teammates, with everybody else says it's too hard. And, and let me tell you, playing minor league baseball is extremely difficult. It is so difficult. It's insane, but I just didn't give up because in fifth grade, I'm playing major league baseball and I'm owning a zoo. I don't care what you guys are doing. So when everybody said it was too hot, when everybody said there was, it was, they were tired, when everybody said, um, I'm sick, I'm not feeling well, I never gave myself that opportunity, that option. I trained that mindset, that MLB mindset to go out there and just 
persevere and just do it and just pivot all the way to the top. I was drafted by the Red Sox as a shortstop. I made 14 errors in my first 10 games. I, I played first base and third base from there. And I got player of the year two years in a row. And they said, you know what? There's going to be a log jam at first and third uh, going to the top. Do you want to learn how to catch? I learned how to catch. I got married a week after my honeymoon. I went to Australia for the whole off season uh, to learn how to catch. I came back as a catcher. I pivoted again. I got hurt as a catcher. I tore my AC on my right knee. And, and then after that, I went back to third base. And after that, I got my shot of playing Major League Baseball. Mm. So after seven memorable years of playing Major League Baseball, after pivoting, after creating resilience, after persevering, after doing the repetitions, after figuring out what to do, having a uh, having a mentor lay out a plan for me and, and, and implementing that plan day in and day out, just doing it over and over and over, regardless of how I felt, get up and go. Regardless if like, it's just crazy because so many days I got up, I was like, I just want to quit. No, you're not quitting. Let's go. So after seven memorable years of playing Major League Baseball, I, I hit a game-winning home run off Mariano Rivera at Fenway Park, the first Red Sox player to do that. I played in two All-Star games, and I, I played. I hit three home runs in, in one game, three consecutive innings for the Diamondbacks. I, mm. I, I played in a perfect game, be Ryan Randy Johnson, and, and I and – I, Played in two other no hit. Like I've done so many things as a summit of the mountain of Major League Baseball. But there was one thing. I made $20 million. I had six cars. I had three mansions, flying private jets. I had anything and everything I wanted. But that pain, that pain that I felt from that perspective that I formed, from that experience and that story I told myself from 14 years old, I'm not lovable. I'm not good enough. My dad doesn't love me. That drove me to the top. I was able to utilize that pain, but, but but I didn't know who I was. So when you don't know who you are, your ego steps and fills that gap from, from where you are right now, fills that void, that emptiness inside with the success you're having. You can use ego to get to the top, but you'll never find fulfillment and you'll never sustain success. So in the prime of my career, with everything in the world, here I am on top of the world, living out my first dream from fifth grade. I'm playing Major League Baseball, not playing, but having massive success. More so than I ever thought imaginable. I never thought I'd be an all-star. I never imagined. I just want to play Major League Baseball. And, and, I, and I eclipsed all that playing in front of hundreds of millions of people and highlight after highlight after highlight. And that pain became so severe inside myself that I became numb to everything and everybody around me. So I made a decision, proven to be the biggest decision in my life. I quit. I walked away. I walked away from that one childhood dream I worked so hard for. That one childhood dream where all my comrades and all my friends gave up on that they just fell away. I, I walked away and I left $50 million of potential earnings on the table. And through that process, I didn't care. I had so much pain inside myself. I didn't know who I was. And, and when you don't know who you are, you attach your identity to what you do. And when you attach your identity to what you do and you hate who you are, you begin hating what you do and everything else around you. So I left, I vanished in the prime of my career. And I pursued my second childhood dream of owning a zoo, mm. fifth grade. I'm going to buy a zoo. I accumulated 300 farm and exotic animals. I had camels, kangaroos, llamas, alpacas, monkeys, raccoons, everything under the moon. And I partnered these, these animals with children in my community, inner city disabled and child crisis children. And I'm saying this, this is bound to give me that fulfillment now because Major League Baseball didn't do it. The fame didn't do it. The success didn't do it. The stuff that most of your viewers are out there searching and seeking right now. If I just get to this level, if I just get to six figures or seven figures, all that pain will go away and I'll be acceptable. And I'll be in the position where I have fulfillment. Not going to happen. 
the joy I've received witnessing my animals transform. You can see it on my face right now, transform thousands and thousands of children in my community. I had a CNI pony for a blind horse. I had a three-legged goat named Trace. I had two Wilshire pigs, 800-pound pigs named Taco Bell and Gilbert. I had the biggest pimpin' pig house in town. And I had uh, Biggie Smalls, the, the Holstein cow. And I had Tupac, the miniature donkey. Each animal I had had a name, a story, and a history. And at night, I had to separate Biggie Smalls on this side of the farm and, and Tupac over here because they'd have coast-to-coast wars. No, I'm just kidding, man. But <laughs> it, it was insane. Like, like I, I created from a vision of my head, my second childhood dream. Here I am transforming so many lives and saving so many animals and, and doing all these things that all I ever wanted was to find my smile. So that void wasn't filled through that either. The joy I received watching these animals transform, it's priceless. So eight years ago, I found myself in a floor of a van. Here I am motionless after overdosing on drugs and alcohol. I'm not a drug addict. I'm not an alcoholic. I was trying to run numb and flee from that pain I was experiencing on the inside. My internal world was going to hell. I had everything in the world. I've done so many things that so many people just dream of and just imagine I've experienced it down to the T. I'm parked outside my ex-wife's house on the floor of this van with my three beautiful adopted children on the inside, arms distance away. And as I'm laying on the floor of this van, here lies somebody that so many people envy. My children are going to school saying to all their friends, my dad played for the Diamondbacks because at that time I live in Arizona. And here I am and as a soul's leaving the top of my head and I'm clinging onto my last breath, the thoughts going through my mind were extremely toxic. You're a loser. You're a failure, Shay. What kind of dad would do this to his kids? What, like, what would your parents think if you left this world today, Shay? You're a flippant hypocrite. You say you do this for these animals and these kids and here you are, you can't even take care of yourself. My answer to that was, I don't know. I'm nothing. If I don't have baseball, see the game had become my name, my identity, the sole being of who I was was wrapped up in the major league baseball because I didn't know who I was. I was so tired of fighting that game. So I let go. I don't know if I died or if I fell asleep, but by the grace of God, the sun peered through the front windshield of the van the next day and it woke me up and I came to, I didn't have any side effects. I didn't even know what I was going to do that next day. I didn't even have enough money to feed my children little Caesar's pizza. I didn't even know where I was going to go, but I was forced with two major decisions, the most two difficult decisions of my life that I had to be forced with. I had to look myself in the mirror, brother, and I had to sit there and take back control and I had to own my life. And the way I did that was just by creating momentum, getting my, myself into momentum. That's the first uh, uh, irrefutable law of the major MLB mindset is momentum. Like life is about momentum. Like we could, we could argue and we could discuss politics and COVID and religion, but life is about momentum. And once you get into momentum by stacking little wins on top of each other, what's going to happen is you will get rewarded. So I got rewarded by, by strategic people put in my life and give me accountability and give me direction. And after that, I started to stand guard on my mind, what I was saying to myself, man, what drove me to the top to become a two-time all-star and make highlights. I was like, but the, the language I was using to myself was, oh my gosh, it was so negative. I just beat myself up day in and day out because the most, most important conversation you'll ever have in your life is the conversation you have with yourself, not anybody else. 
What are you saying to yourself on a daily basis? When I became aware of that, I realized that the, the language that I used to myself was the foundation of who I truly was. I wasn't a major league baseball player. I was a hurt, scared, crying little boy who burnt every bridge of my life, who treated people like crap, who was the biggest a-hole in the world because I could hide behind the veil of major league baseball. I had little girls in the stands holding up signs saying, will you marry me, Shay? I would do autograph signings for $10,000 an hour and girls would come to the table crying and shaking just because they got to meet me. I could do whatever I wanted whenever I wanted, however I wanted. And it was bad. Mm. And then when I realized the third thing is, is, is belief. What did I truly believe about myself? See, the most powerful force in human nature is for us, for you, for the viewer right now that's listening or watching. The most powerful force in human nature is for you to stay congruent to what you believe to be true about yourself. And when I stood back and looked in the mirror, I looked in the mirror and I saw something who didn't believe in himself outside of what he did. See, I had all the resources in the world playing Major League Baseball. When I went to the field, I had a fielding coach, I had a hitting coach, I had a, I had a, a videographer. I analyzed every move in the field, man. I trained those skill sets, and the skill sets had so much utility. And I had a chef, and I had a masseuse, I had a chiropractor, I had an orthopedic surgeon. I had all the resources in the world to train Shea Hillenbrand, the performer, the professional. But when I drove away from that stadium each and every night, I didn't have anything or anybody to help me with Shea Hillenbrand a person. So when I talk about what do you believe about yourself, I'm talking about who you believe to be yourself as a person. And I had nothing. And I installed an elevated belief system and I started doing the things and keeping the promises to myself. And I started really discovering and pulling back the layers of the onion and, and just started working every single day through that process. So for seven years, that's what I did day in and day out as I provided barely for my family. And when I did that, I discovered that I had a voice. I had something deeper inside myself. I discovered a deeper version of Shea Hillenbrand, the version that you see here right now. See, when I play Major League Baseball, I had a voice. I cracked game-winning home runs in Yankee Stadium against the, the biggest stage in baseball. But when I'd leave the stadium and go to the restaurant, and I'd pay for a $4,000 meal with all my friends, and I'd be on TV and ESPN, I couldn't step to the plate, the dinner plate. See, I'd be I almost go to the bathroom in my pants every single time because it's scared to walk, get up from my seat and walk across the restaurant in fear of everybody staring at me. I had no self-worth, no self-confidence, no self-dignity, anything at all. So I put all my eggs in one basket and I tell you, and I, and I just want to preach to your audience and the people listening, do not do that. The biggest thing that you could do for yourself is fill up yourself first, work on yourself, your personal pillars, what should I call? That's you. What do you need to do to get yourself straight, right, standing and, and become the best version of yourself Then your private pillar? That's your interpersonal relationships, your people close around you, your family, your parents, your, your spouse, your kids. You got to get that right. When you do that, your professional life will explode to a level that you didn't even think imaginable. So we have it backwards. All the coaches, all the teachers, all the all the all the what, what gurus or whatever we call them out there, the people that read from theory and teach from a textbook. We have it backwards because I did it. See, I failed in my career. I didn't reach my fullest potential because I didn't work on myself and I didn't work on my family because I didn't know how to. Mm. So when we do that, everything changes. Your whole life turns around and you find your smile. For sure. Oh man, that is so powerful. I mean, we could stop right now <laughs> and that, that would be enough. Not for me, but for this particular episode. Man, there is so much here. I am sure this is going to be more than one episode. I am very confident of that. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting toward the end there where you're talking about uh, knowing who you are and the process that you have to go through in order to discover that. You know, Shay, I, I came up with something recently that I think really helps encapsulate. Uh, you'll often hear people talk about passion and purpose and think that they're synonymous. 
I don't happen to agree. I don't think they're the same. Uh, I give full credit to my friend uh, James Laughlin, who is a seven-time world champion drummer, who shared with me the difference between the two. And I think it's really key. Passion is for us. So if you're passionate about something, it is for you personally. Purpose is what you give to the world. Now, on rare occasions, those do match up just not real often. So don't try, that's why so many people who try and start businesses, they try and start in their passion, they fail because it's their thing, they just can't figure out how to make money at it. I'm like, well, let that be a hobby. Figure out something you can make money at, that's different. So that hope with that as the backdrop for what I'm about to say, pain. Pain is the ultimate clarifier, the ultimate clarifier. You wanna know what to do with your life, where is your biggest source of pain? That's going to tell you what direction you need to head. And when you work through the pain, you don't avoid it. You don't ignore it. You don't pretend it's not there. You work through the pain, figure out what caused the pain, what was my role in the pain, and how do I get better from the pain? When I do all those things, when I put in the hard work, the kind of work you were talking about to become a major league baseball player, that hard and harder on ourselves. When we work that hard consistently over time, working through it, it reveals our purpose, why we're here. Pain leads to purpose, which leads to platform. In that order, it has to be in that order. You can't substitute. There's no substitution for getting there. There's not. As you said, you can kind of fake your way to the top, but you can't stay there faking your way. You can't. It's not possible. Uh, I liken it this way. If you think about, uh, you've probably trekked up mountains before at some point in your life. Okay. On your journey up a mountain, at some point, it gets to be where it's barren. You got to get high enough, but it gets barren. Why? It's barren because nothing living can grow there. It's not possible. So my point in mentioning that is this, a mountaintop is for a moment. It's not a place you're meant to live. You don't camp there. You don't stay at the mountaintop. It's a reward for all the hard work. But once you've enjoyed the reward, you go back down and you start over again, working and getting better and cultivating. That's where life is lived. And that I, sounds an awful lot like that's what you have learned, is that it, it's great to get to the mountaintop, but there's more to life than just that. Would you agree? 100%. And, uh, the greatest gift that I lost out on could have experienced of being a major league baseball player. It wasn't the private jets or the, the money or the experiences, but being able to impact people's lives, being able to be at a level to where really do what you've been put here to do is, is be able to make that impact. I missed out on that. I tried very hard to do that, but I didn't have my voice. I didn't have a smile. I, I had a lot of pain and struggle. And through the process, and this, and this, uh, I love how you're saying that about pain and, and purpose and, and platform. Uh, I have uh, formulated a, a, the five P's, and it's, mm. and, it's, and it's very similar to that. And the first P is pain points. What are the pain points in your life? What are the pain points? Uh, what is the traumatic experiences? And so many of us go through those and we form a perspective, which is the second. See, the second P is your perspective. See, that, that perspective either grants you access where it blocks your access to the third P, which is the power that you have inside yourself. See, so many of us operate at a surface level because when we experience those pain points in our life, the perspective that we form is a survival perspective. And that perspective puts us into a place to where we run numb and flee from that pain because we don't know how to properly place that, that perspective with that pain. 
Because we, most times when we experience that pain, we are the victim of that. So what we do, we, from that perspective, and all of a sudden we go straight to profit, the last P. The last P, profit, is status, success, monetary value, money, houses, planes, cars, clothes, watches, shoes. We go to profit. If we just gain all this profit, that's going to make all that pain go away. So the profit is actually the bookend of your pain points in your life. But if you do that, you miss out the meat of the method, which is your perspective, power, purpose. See, what happens is we can actually go back and rewrite history. You can't change the experience, the actual experience of what happens in your life. I'm not level one. I'm not good enough. My dad doesn't love me. At 14 years old, sitting on my bed, going to high school. I can't change that experience. I can't do that. But what I could do, I have the power to change that perspective. And right there, so many people do not do because they don't, they're not equipped. They don't understand. And they don't want to go there because there's emotions that are attached to that perspective from that experience. And those emotions that are attached that drive that story in our life. And it leads us to where we are right now. So that's where I take pride. That's where I want to do right now. Because when I left Major League Baseball, I was slated to be a hundred million dollar player. I made 20 million. If you do the math, that's one fifth your potential. I'm not talking about the money because I could really care less about the money. That's just an example. So I became extremely fascinated why, why did that Shea Hillenbrand not experience and not achieve his potential? I could have put up Hall of Fame numbers. I could have, I knew that deep down inside myself. I, and that's irrelevant. It's just what I knew about myself. And I know there's so many viewers and listeners going through this right now. Like, I know I'm capable of this. I just can't get there. I find myself conforming because it's comfortable. <laughs> See, when we step outside that comfort zone and we understand to be able to realize that I, I reverse engineer it and I say, okay, like, like I have a belief system. And what I believe to be true about myself is formed from, from uh, is, is at my conscious level. And that's my program that I'm running. And, and, and those, that belief system is formed from that story that I tell myself every single day. What's that story? But I tell myself in each area of my life, whether it's relationships, whether it's my profession or whether it's myself, regardless of what I do, whether it's my health or, or my mindset or my spiritual being, all these different things in our lives, we have belief systems that we form in stories. The story comes from your perspective that you form. The perspective comes from that experience of what we go through in our life. So if I go back and change that perspective, see, actually, you want to know the truth? You know the real perspective of 14-year-old Shea Hillenbrand? My father moved us from beautiful Southern California to Arizona to give me a chance to play Major League Baseball. If I didn't stay there, I wouldn't have played Major League Baseball. He was not able to communicate that with me because we have a generational curse or experience in our life to where that stuff that he was struggling with, with his father and his mother pulling his mom out of bars at 14 years old. I am so glad I didn't have to go through this stuff that my father went through. I didn't realize at the time. Because that experience of 14 of that story gave me a really bad emotional feeling. And the, the story that I formed from that and the perspective is my parents actually wanted to stay in Southern California. They did it for me. Once I pulled back the layers of the onion, when I dropped my ego, when I went, allowed myself to go back and peel back the layers and do that work, I discovered the truth. And I discovered the truth of what really happened and, 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 and what my father had to go through. I went even further. It's like, what did he have to go through? And, and what are the stories? And how, how was he equipped? His dad was, uh, uh, he yelled at him and, and he didn't beat him, but he always berated him. And his mom was an alcoholic. And like, he had no chance. And when growing up in the era that he grew up in, really, a lot of people didn't really do this stuff. You just got to pull up your bootstraps, got to provide for your family, try to make a better life for your kids. 
than you do yourself. And that's all it was. And, and I, I was able to rewrite history and I was able to change that perspective of that. Now I realize how I got kicked off the, the baseball teams. Now I know how I got in the fight with John Gibbons in a clubhouse in Toronto. Now I know why I said explicit uh, bad things on the radio about Theo Epstein, the GM. Now I know how this interaction with this fan and all this, like this, this million pounds of unworthiness fell off my shoulders. And I had tears of like Niagara Falls coming down my face. And it's just like, you are worthy. I didn't have to drink. I didn't have to have success. I didn't have to have the private jets. So I was able to, to change that perspective from that pain point in my life and different pain points in my life. I changed that perspective to be a positive, positive perspective. And I, and I was able to access and, and that power inside myself was granted. And then that power inside myself, I discovered gifts and talents and, and a voice and energy and passion. And, and this, I never thought I'd ever do this. So through that process, if you get that pain point and that perspective, that pain point, you you, you allow your access to that power inside yourself. And from there, your purpose, your purpose starts to materialize. Your purpose starts to manifest. Your purpose starts to being exposed to you because you're ready because that power inside yourself is where that purpose comes from. Like you said, that purpose is for other people and that passion that you experience, that purpose is for yourself to keep you going, to keep that hunger stirred, to keep doing and to give. I had everything in the world. I had everything in the world and the greatest feeling and the greatest experience of success was being able to discover my purpose, discover those gifts and talents and just giving them to other people. And when you do that, the profit can't not come. The success can't not come. The, the, the money can't not. And it's flooding in now for me because I have, I'm right standing. I'm doing it for the right reasons. And I'm sharing my story and I'm authentic and I'm transparent and that power and the energy and, and that passion just comes out of me. I don't even know where that, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea where, I don't know. I don't know where this comes from. This I, I would never like like I would have nightmares in high in, in the major leagues. I'd be getting ready to play the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. I was rocking home runs and I'd wake up in cold sweats and nightmares of giving an essay in front of the class. I was that kid. The teacher says, if you want, if you read your notes, given your presentation, you're getting nothing more than a C. I was like, give me a C because I have no self-confidence. I'm so scared. I'm so embarrassed. I don't know who I am right now and what I want to do. I want to get on the mountaintop right now and preach. I want to get on the mountaintop right now and share my story. I want to get on the mountaintop right now and just, just to speak life and speak hope and revitalize people's souls to get them to understand that, you know, you might think that you're one breath away from giving up right now, but in all actuality, you're one breath, breath away from a breakthrough in your life. It's switching that perspective that that pain point. And if you put yourself around people that understand this process, you could work through it and you could do it. And when you do it, you discover a whole new version of yourself, a version that didn't even know was possible. And it just takes putting into work and understanding one thing. And I want to leave your audience with this. And if, if, if there's anything else, they don't listen to me. You have to have the belief that you deserve the opportunity to go do what you've been put here to do. So many of us do not believe that we deserve it. Oh, Shay's doing it, or this person's doing it, or that person's doing it, but I, I, I don't deserve that because I'm just here. I'm just here just to be here, just over here. Just, no, 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 no. You haven't been here to do that. You deserve to be able to have that opportunity to go out there and experience life at the greatest terms. Mm. Love that, man. Love that. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlett. Thanks again for listening. And remember, passion gets you started. Purpose keeps you going. Have a great day and we'll see you next time. Bye.